0: Hi, I'm Tracy Koga with something short and fun. This is a Hugh Soundbite. Thank you so much Elsie for coming here and it's all about getting your story out, sharing some of those memories, sharing your thoughts and feelings throughout all of these years here. When you started uh, growing up in Haney, BC, what was that like?
1: Oh, of course I was very young at that time. Can I start from the beginning from my dad's uh, side, like where they came Mm -hmm. from? (laughs) Um, Actually my dad, my mother father from Japan. My dad came first. He wanted to come to Canada to live after they got married. <coughs> when they came to Canada, he came alone first, of course, and he worked at a sawmill in British Columbia. And after about a year, he called my mother over to join him. And after they mom arrived here in, in Canada, he decided he wanted to uh, farm. So he bought our land in Haney, BC. There he had, uh, oh, maybe 20 acres of land. And uh, he um, grew, like, various vegetables and all kinds of berries. I think he probably was there for uh, 10 years. And then when I was, I'm the youngest of the family of five, when I was six months old, he decided he wanted to move west, closer towards, Along the way, and he bought again, he bought uh, 20 acres of land. And he also there um, grew vegetables and all kinds of berries, and uh, he did very well there, you know. And after about four years there, four or five years uh, there, he built a house because they were just. Uh, was willing the bought the land. It was just a uh, big, big, big one room house and, and woodshed shed or whatever. But he uh, wanted to build a house, so he built a house um, with the help of, of course, of the my brothers who were in their twenty, no, well, mm-hmm. around there. So they were able to help too, and also he had friends from around the area there helping him out. So he made himself uh, build himself a really lovely house, a two story. He even had like French doors, like dividing the dining room and the living room, he would have French doors and it was a beautiful house. Anyways, um, he'll go into immigration, which would be two years afterwards. Then came the notice from the government. For them to move while there, take as little as possible, their know yeah, whatever they needed, clothes wise and dishes and pans, whatever they they thought they need for everyday thing, and leave everything behind. What they, they were told that they would be returning back to their property. And so, of course, my dad just, as they said, is take your essentials. So we did just whatever they had need daily and left all the good things behind. It was time for them to move. It was within a week's notice. My mom and dad, I I was only 11 years old at that time, but it was such a terrible thing to see them leave the property behind all that work that they put, put, and now they have to leave that. Being told that they'll be coming back, but who knows? They thought you know what's going to happen. So they, we had to all wait in a um train depot to pick up us up. And I could see my mom, especially tears in her eyes, looking so back at. The looking back at the site where they have to leave. It, it was really sad, it was really sad at my age even, I thought it was very sad. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we were on a train to come to Winnipeg. We came to Winnipeg, we were put into a big hall, what they call the Immigration Hall, I guess it was called. Many, many families there, all put together. We, Or fortunate enough, we only had to wait for maybe two days. And uh, we were selected by a farmer who wanted us to come and work on their farm, which happened to be Mr. Lee Tully. And from there, of course, he took us to his farm and worked on the sugar beets and whatever things that he needed. to work on. My brother went and we were all like more and I was the youngest at 11 so everybody else was able to work on the farm very well so I guess he was pleased that he wanted somebody, adult, more adult people to to help around the farm which was of course sugar beets. In the sugar beets farm we had two thin top. And everything, but the, but the row is like a mile long, you know. Um, it, was, it was a big, long, long row at that time to me. I thought, oh my goodness, you know, there's no end to this. But anyway, so I was, of course, I was the youngest, so I, felt I bought the waters or whatever they needed and left it on one end, I, and then they will come over there and have the drink or whatever, and then continue on, go back again, and, and so forth. So that's the way it was there. But Tully's Farm, the family were very nice. They were very nice people. We were very fortunate that we were able to be placed in a place where mm-hmm. seemed to be a caring people, uh, which we were very grateful, I think compared to some other people's stories I hear.
0: It must have been a bit of a culture shock for you to leave where you were in that beautiful home and then come to this farm, a foreign land.
1: Oh, going back before evacuation, yes, I was there, as I said, I moved, we, dad moved back into Pet Meadows when I was six months old. So. I went to school there, and I, I, I even went to Japan with my mom. I was mm-hmm. nine years old at that time. Wow! We went to Champ, Japan, and I stayed there for I think two and a half months or something like that during the uh, spring season, where the where the farmers wasn't able to work at yeah mm-hmm. at that time. For so mom and I, went to Japan visited her especially wanted of course wanted to go to, to her parents' graveside and all that so we visited all the temples that we could mm-hmm. there yeah.
0: Did you ever want to just stay in Japan?
1: No because half of my family like my father and my sisters and brothers were here, here in Canada no I didn't really I was, I was there because of well, my mom. mom wanted to go, and I was—I wanted to go with her and be with her when she More was in so. Japan. But I wanted to yeah. come back with her too. So
0: so. Canada is your home,
1: of course. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then after the internment, um, what was life like then? When did you move to Winnipeg, and you know, you married and re- and had a family of your own?
1: Well, when Teddy's <clears> farm, <throat> my dad and I bought a. a a land also leaving Tully's farm for were, he was the whole family. but working a sugar beet farm for four years, and then he figured he would like to buy a farm of make again have <laughs> vegetables and may have a farm of his own. So, Mr. Tully had helped him get this acres of land that he, that he knew that was on sale. So he again purchased that land and made whatever he wanted to grow and And that way, my oldest brother was uh, able to help in, in transferring things to Winnipeg and back and forth, so it was okay for him to farm there for a couple of years and then they have to give it up because uh, my my uh, my brother uh, my brother my oldest son who was looking after all all those things had a little back problem, and, and so they sold the farm mm. and they came into Winnipeg.
0: And then how did you begin your family life and raising your family? I
1: uh, um, I'll go back a little bit and say that I was at Tully's, when I was at Tully's farm, I went to, of course, I was only 11 years old, so I was in a one-room school room from grade, grade six to eight, and then I went to Portia Prairie and went to high school there. And, and the tellys are always so nice and we used to get a ride to, from the home tellys. to Porzapur a daily for school. He used to drop us off in the grocery store we wait there for him or he leaves us mm-hmm. there and, and that would be our place to wait, you know, mm-hmm. and we dropped off. And then I had um, wanted to work in a more of like an office so I I was able to um, go into a, a private home where she taught shorthand typing and bookkeeping and that's what I took. And then so I, of course I told my mom that, that, was what, that I was, wanted to do that and eventually I would leave the city. I would leave the farm mm-hmm. and go to the city in Winnipeg and, and, tr- and try to work, find work in the office. Of course, when I came here, it was very hard finding a job right away, so whatever I needed to, could work uh, to make some money for myself. I worked uh, as a, um, I made housework for a well-known person. And then after I, I thought, well, no, this is not for me, I went to um, my brother's place where he, my other brother was living even to pick at that time and uh, from there I had commuted back and forth to, f- to find a place where I could find a work, which I did, uh, several places I worked, the office, and, um, and that's the way I ha- was after the, after I left the farm anyways. Mm-hmm. So in 19, about two years after I have come to Winnipeg, I met my husband, Thai Thai. Uh, through the church went to Buddhist church business, and we got to got to know each other that way.
0: What was it like Elsie, uh, for the Japanese community, especially for young women like yourselves leaving the farm and coming to the city? How did you create friends and how what was the social circle like?
1: I've been telling my children too, that you know, I have had no nobody coming like. No racial discrimination of any kind at all. I was like, I go into an office to work for this office. They would accept me as I am. I go to another. I went to three different offices before I worked for the city of Winnipeg. When the city of Winnipeg and people were so nice, they treated me just as. It's coffee time. We just bingo together and talk of any, you know, talk mm-hmm. whatever we wanted to talk about and there was nothing in any way that I felt that I was different in other mm-hmm. words I was I was really really I was really, really amazed that I was able to socialize with people with, without being hurt in that way
0: and then the redress comes uh, you know and more of these stories being told and and how did that that change you at all or did it with regards to
1: redress which is something that was wonderful to happen, thanks to um, uh, Art Mickey and the NAJC uh, and associates who had persevered and did so much to get this redress. redress. And it was something that was really amazing to have happened. But again, I thought about my mom and dad I thought about them that I wish that they were here to accept, or to hear rather, um, with their own ears uh, what was happening, the apology of the Prime Minister Mahoney at that time, you know, what Mm -hmm. he has said, and I wish that they were here to hear that, but of course they were both gone by then. 1988, it happens,
0: was that mhm And I was just going to ask you that about the apology. How do you feel now when you hear about today with our indigenous community and the stories coming out too about residential schools? Does that kind of re- resonate looking back too? Yeah, it's very unfortunate that things like that
1: are happening, which, as I said, I never came across anything like that, and I'm glad that I didn't, and as far as my children are concerned, I was worried for them too when they mm-hmm. went back to school or went to school or uh, grown up, but they have had no problem either, so I am very lucky for and very fortunate that they didn't have to go through anything like that. I feel sorry for what's happening right now, you know, it's it seems to me it's not necessary to be so racially discriminating from one nationality to another, you know. It shouldn't happen. Those things shouldn't happen. Everybody is a human being, they should be treated equally. What they do with their business and don't poke around all of you know trying to get out dirty stuff from them or whatever they, they may you know, mm-hmm. what they get out from making problems worse.
0: And for yourself now, I mean beautiful family and, and you know some definitely good memories. What have you learned through all of this, Elsie? How has that made you the Elsie today, looking back and talking about your past?
1: I, of course, I lost my husband 13 years ago. Uh, We were together for 59 years, and um, I have three daughters, and um, my grandkids are fine. My extended family are all nice, so I myself feel very lucky to have um, children who, it seems to, at this age, want to make me comfortable. And that I appreciate, yeah, and all the grandkids and, you know, it's just amazing what I think that's what keeps me going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. And I'm sure your grandchildren would love to hear this story, your story.
1: Will you See, share I that story? Um,
0: I have told
1: my grandsons. I have two grandsons uh, mm-hmm. from my, one of my daughters, and I have, of course, extended mm-hmm. grandsons and grands, great grandchildren, too. Uh, and I. <clears throat> I, I have already, I, I, I have even written it in my computer, all what's <laughs> happened to okay. my life and everything, <laughs> and I, so I give them copies.
0: Well, thank you so much, Elsie, for sharing your story. Oh, no, I, okay. I don't know if I put it properly
1: and clearly that you couldn't understand as I go along, but it's, um,
0: it's a long story. No, nothing simple. <laughs> nothing
1: Thanks simple. You. No, no. I hope I made enough sense. You
0: <laughs> did. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of I podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company.